Hello! We are back after a two-week hiatus. It's like two and a half weeks. It's not quite two weeks yet. It's getting close, though. Yeah. We are back. Carpe Noctum. My name is Dylan Shoop. My name is Dylan Kiefer. And we humbly return to you from Oklahoma City at 9.50 p.m. And we are seizing the night. On a Thursday. On a Thursday. In mm-hmm. in good fashion. So, one of the things I was thinking about last week, when we had to skip a week, the week before that, we talked in the podcast about how we don't want to be those people that start a podcast and then within a few episodes <laughs> start skipping off. and well to be fair so this the last Sunday they're not last Sunday the Sunday before before we were going to record you weren't feeling good mm-hmm. and so we just didn't record and we, we were going to pick it up sometime the other week and then we yeah. just got ahead of us and we got together to record on Sunday yeah I brought the microphone I did not have a laptop because I left it somewhere <laughs> And so we ended up just uh, hanging watching, out. Yeah, hanging yeah. out and watching some video games. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all we did. It was uh, actually a pretty nice night. Yeah, I mean, it was a good night of community. Certainly uh, n- not productive from from any standpoint. but Productive in friendship. Yeah, all right. All right. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. I hate myself. Yeah, I hate you a little bit, too, for I, that. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway... We're glad to be back. You know, this, and, and I don't want... This is something I like doing, you know. And, and I I hate that maybe there might be times where it almost feels like a burden, like something we gotta do. Because it's not. It's really something we get to do. I like doing this. It is fun. It just, uh, it just sucks whenever we don't... There's like a week where it just doesn't work. And it just... It's not like I'm not thinking about it. Like, oh, I wish we had done it. But, you know, sometimes the week just gets away from the both of us, or one of us, so... And yeah, life happens sometimes, unfortunately, so... Yep. So what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a Jack Daniels Black Jack Cola. It's, uh... It's basically just a store-bought whiskey and coke. Yeah. That, I like it. That is, that is very good. I like that stuff. I am drinking, I think, something that you were drinking in episode, on an episode... A few weeks ago was the dry hopped Hell's, the German style lager. Were you drinking that? No, I was drinking the. Uh... Oh, I don't remember. It was. They're it both was, at a boulevard. Yeah, they're both at a boulevard. They're both tasting room specials. So he he was tasting the other one, I guess. It was good. Yeah, yeah. This one's good too. Boulevard's a good brewery. So I want to start off while we're talking about booze. What could be, I have another best of the week, but perhaps the best, another we're, best of the we're week. Just, we're just going straight into best of the week already. Yeah, because right. I, I, I have to. Right, right. This right one. here. Oklahoma liquor laws oh, changed yeah. on Monday, and it was, it was magical. We can finally, in this state, purchase cold beer and beer at full strength in grocery stores. It's true. It's exciting. It really is true. Uh, I haven't experienced it because I haven't bought any beer this week because I'm still going through my Jack uh, Jack Daniels. Yeah, I, uh, I I bought a few things this past week. I went into Whole Foods. They are, they have great selection down there, and 
I, I was, it, it was, it made me giddy. I was like, finally, finally. Because being from Pennsylvania, it's, it's, it's kind of even more backwards in some ways in Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania, along with a few other states... <laughs> Stupid cats. Yes. my We're at my apartment for this recording, and my cat just jumped up on Dylan. Dylan doesn't like the cats. Well, I'm also allergic to cats. But, but you're not allergic to him, because he's so perfect. I don't know yet, though. Oh, little Daffy. Anyway. He has two small black cats... One of them's Daffy, the other one's name is Duck. Yup. Let me just say this, guys. The stigma around black cats is horrifying. My friend and I were at the Humane Society like a week ago, and there were more black cats than any other kind of cat. And it's just this dumb stigma. And it's sad because these cats have been so great in my life, and I love having them. And the idea that there are people who don't want them because of some bullshit superstition. <laughs> some some nonsensical superstition. I don't get it. I don't get it. To be fair, I don't it's not I don't I, I dislike them. But not because they're black. I know that. It's because they're cats. I know. I'm just not a cat person. Well this is their month, you know. It's spooktober, baby. This is black cat month. It is. It is their month. It is their month. Witches and zombies and goblins, oh my. Yes. And black cats running around. Oh, good boy. Anyway, so I finally was able to buy cold beer, but in Pennsylvania, growing up in Pennsylvania, those laws are are even more ridiculous because there are no private businesses that can sell liquor. Every single store is literally run by the state. It's the state. Is it really? Yeah, it's the state liquor control board. Wow. It's literally socialized. They run state stores. It's called Wine and Spirits, but it's owned by the state, every single one of them, and they're all Wine and Spirits. Uh, you have to go to one of them and or order through one of them to purchase alcohol, to purchase high-strength alcohol. You can buy beer and cold beer. It has to be in a separate part of the store. So, like, there's a Whole Foods in Wexford outside Pittsburgh, and... Uh, they have the Whole Foods, and then in a separate part of the store, almost like it's a different store, it just happens to be connected, but it's almost like it's a different store, and it has its, a different entrance, too, is the is the beer room where you can buy beer. And it's full strength, you know, it's like a normal like beer s- store, but like if you want to buy wine or liquor, you have to go through the state. That's that's insane. That is insane. So that coming here, insane. it's it's great because you don't have to go through the state. You have privately owned competing businesses, and and that's that usually means cheaper prices. But at the same time, for the longest time, pretty much since prohibition, I would assume uh, the ridiculous laws prevented full strength beer from being sold. Inside of stores, just like three point two percent was like the highest. It just it's, it's like, like water. Yeah, I mean, and it was sad because I like bought a couple, um, from when it was like three point two. Like if I had a shift at Whole Foods and I was you know they had some coop, I would buy some. But it was whenever it's that low, it's you don't taste much. You don't taste any of the differences between like the three point twos. So even if you're like a craft brewery like Coop, 
and you're drinking their spare rib, that's at 3.2%. Or if you're drinking that, that shark lager that's made by Anheuser-Busch in St. Louis, they taste pretty much the same. It's sad because those breweries are obviously nowhere near the same level, in yeah. my opinion. But with that low, it's like you're pretty much drinking the same thing. So, you know, I'm glad that, that these liquor laws have, have changed into the 21st century. It's it's a weird thing, too, because when you think, like, Oklahoma and Texas, immediately what, like, your mind comes to is a guy fishing on the river with, like, two six-packs, like, getting ready to crack open. Like, yeah. it's, it's beer country. Yeah. And we have, like, some of the weirdest liquor laws. Budweiser country. <laughs> it is. Like, it's, it's beer central down yeah. in Oklahoma and Texas. Well, uh, yeah, and that's, that, well, that's what's funny is that uh, he apologized, but one of the lawmakers, the state lawmakers, claimed that he was against uh, updating our liquor laws because of how black people and Native Americans are all susceptible, or at least more susceptible, to become alcoholics. So it was like he was trying to protect the black people <laughs> and the Indians. And it was so condescending, but like, I will say, it was just nonsense. That is nonsense. But in a uh, fun fact, so in Alaska, uh, where I'm originally from, there are, because it's dark and cold and so depressing so many times, Sure, uh, there are villages and towns where liquor is illegal. Well, you you can't bring. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah like it's just absolutely it's straight up illegal, and like they. Like you can't even own it in the town. Yeah, or, like you can't oh, bring no. it into the town at all because the abuse of it is just like, oh, wow. astronomical. Like we have the highest, I think, highest suicide rate. I don't know if it's the highest, but it's one of the <laughs> highest suicide rates, alcohol abuse, and drug abuse states in America. Yeah. Because of the the darkness and the cold, and so they're like, well, we should just. It's one of the few times I'm like, mm, you know, they might have something with outline yeah. liquor there because it's. I don't know. See, I see. I, I'm from a town outside Pittsburgh that that is called a dry town, and there are some. I mean, they exist all over the country, but in Pennsylvania, it's one of the only ones left where none of the restaurants can sell beer or wine, and you cannot purchase it there. Uh, from any stores or anything like that, there are no, there the, those stores aren't allowed to be there. Um, it was only like last year or the year before where this one restaurant was able to start selling some local beers, and it was some really obscure loophole that they were able to do it. Just like certain times, certain amounts could be sold, and I mean I remember there were people who. In the town and on the on the town council, that just like threw a fit. I'm just like, the only reason that this town is the way it is, is because of tradition. Like it has nothing to do. We don't have an alcohol problem. We have more of a heroin problem than we do an alcohol problem. Keeping alcohol away from the town isn't doing anything for us. We don't have high. Uh, rates of abuse and, and if we did I mean it's not like it's that much of a problem to go across a bridge over to the next town oh, and, yeah. and buy some liquor oh, yeah. so it's, it's, it's just really absurd that, that it's still a law that exists in 2018 but I will say regarding of whether regarding whether or not that kind of um, prohibition even makes sense or as I would say should even be applied 
I understand, like, in your case, it might make sense. But I'm still, like, 100% against it just because we've seen it, Prohibition in general, not working in his throughout history. Yeah. We see it not really working with the drug war right now. The war on drugs that's claimed so many lives and has cost so much money. And we uh, really, it's, it's what I, I see more conservatives using it, unfortunately, because I don't think they have any room to use it. But it's a term called the nanny state. Where oh yeah yeah the, essentially the state is acting like the nanny and trying to take care of you and make your decisions for you. I don't think either side has any room to say it. Ted Cruz wants to make dildos legal. You know that that right there <laughs> is is classic nanny state. But so is you wanting to prevent me from buying alcohol on a Sunday or being able to buy full strength liquor at a at a store. Or now that medical marijuana is finally legal in the state, trying to prevent me from use from using a, a substance that actually helps, like my anxiety or my PTSD or whatever. So, you know, there are people on both sides of the political aisle that they try and use the state to to rationalize or, or to enforce their own morality, and and I think that's insane. That's not to say that in every case it's a it's a bad outcome. You know, so like the example you provided, maybe it is for the better. I still just don't like the idea well, purely on principle. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those places, it's like population 100 people. Mm-hmm. And you can only get there via snow machine or airplane. Snowmobile, yeah. Snow machine. Snowmobile. Snow, snow, snow machine. Uh-huh, yeah. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's pretty nice. So, you can't just drive over the next time yeah. and buy some. It's like, all right, I have to either smuggle this in on an airplane or make it myself. And there's only 100 <laughs> people here. All right. Who's doing it? So. Yeah. No, I mean, I get that. It's just, on principle, I just, like... That's fair. Couldn't embrace it. Anyway. Um, so, what do you have to talk about this week? Yep. So, just I think... I'm trying to remember. I think yesterday... You probably saw Amazon announced that they're doing $15 an hour wage for all their employees. In the same breath, they also canceled uh, all stock options and uh, bonuses for employees. (laughs) Which I thought, so when it it first came out, uh, I saw it on a Reddit post. And I read the article, I was like, all right, interesting. And then in my head, I was like, this is Amazon, a company that's been criticized quite a bit lately for the treatment of their employees. There's yeah. something behind this in the comments. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm just like, yay, Amazon, like $15 an hour, like the, because uh, the, that's something the the left has been like hammering. So like, oh yeah, my God, 15, 15, 15, 15. Yeah. I was like, there's, there's, there's something else going on here. And they're like, oh, we also canceled all the stock options and their bonuses. And I was like, that's it right there. Oh, like, and then it was even funnier. So I saw like a comment, comment like, uh, like defending is like oh no like with with this I'd actually be I'm still making like a little bit more money than I've had my bonuses and stock options I'm like why didn't they just let you keep the bonuses and the stock options that's what a company should have done and I'm pretty sure I don't doubt that somehow Amazon is coming away net positive with this because a lot of a lot of what they hire I think they're planning to hire a hundred thousand uh, more workers for the holiday season. Right. And so $15 an hour, 
uh, and they only have them for you know that amount of time, and then they're gone. Right. But then the ones that stay, they're yeah, they're still paying them fifteen dollars an hour, but they also don't have to pay them bonuses anymore, and they don't have to deal with stock options with them anymore yeah. as well. So I think in the long run, for short term yeah. employees, it's fantastic, but for their long term employees, I'm it's probably going to hit them pretty decently, I'd assume. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't. I don't know if this is true. Is actually, but it's something I was just talking about tonight. So, where I work, everyone at this car dealership is a, an employee of Auto Group One Automotive, which is the second largest car group in the world. And we have some people who who, who detail the cars once we've sold them. They help clean it up and do some finishing touches and washes. And then they deliver the car to us. Um, and it was just tonight I found out that they are the only people that are not uh, Group 1 employees. They're actually this like separate third party that Group 1 contracts with. Because the two big things that come out of that, one, they don't have to pay them as much. And two, uh, they don't have to worry about the liability of that. So... No one who works for Group 1 is allowed to use any illegal substance. And there is random drug testing. But with these people in detail, probably none of them would pass a drug test. <laughs> and because they don't work for Group 1 Automotive, they don't have to. It's a different company who has to worry about having the liability insurance for, for drug users that happen to work for them. And, and it was brought up by one of my sales managers. I don't know if this is true again, but he says Amazon does a lot of that same thing. They, you know, this whole $15 an hour for all of its workers, well, that's fine. But a lot of their workers don't even work directly for them. They work for third parties, or they even work for their own subsidiaries, but it's technically a different company. So they contract with that company, and then they're not obligated to pay them anything. Honestly, I mean... Anything of significance. Yeah, and they, they, they're like, oh, no, we're, that's not part of us, so we're not related to, you know. Yeah, we don't have to pay them $50 yeah. an hour because they're technically not they're Amazon, Amazon employees. employees. I mean, Papa John's does that same thing. All the corporate employees that work at corporate stores, they all make like 10 15 bucks an hour. They have stock options and health insurance. But if you're an employee of, of a franchise, you don't work for Papa John's. You work for the franchise owner, technically. And he can pay you whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. And no one knows they really exist, so who cares? Yeah. No. The more Amazon, the more and more I hear about Amazon, the the shadier it gets, and the more I'm starting to really detest Amazon. Like I think you've probably heard what they've been doing with Whole Foods. Yes. They they're running Whole Foods into the ground, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, so. When I was in corporate marketing with Whole Foods, uh, they that was shortly after it was announced that Amazon was buying it, and then the final purchase actually occurred while I was working there in New York, and there imme- immediately they threw up Amazon signage in the store because they wanted to make their mark, which I totally understand, and they and and some of the stores. They started selling um, Amazon Echo products, like, immediately. Yeah. Uh, in Oklahoma City, they did it. In Port Chester, New York, one of the stores I worked at, they, they did it. Uh, so, they, they wanted to make their mark, which is fine, but you hear a lot of grievances now 
because a lot of employees, Whole Foods had a very unique culture, and it was specific to, to Whole Foods. It's, it's almost kind of what you'd expect from, like, a, a local hometown grocery store that, like, sells organic fruit and yeah. grass-raised, grass-fed beef. Like, you know, different. It's different, you know. It's a lot more value-driven. And with a place like Amazon, that's more on par with, like, the values similar to Walmart, you know. The values make up a corporate culture that is more about social responsibility to make the stockholders happy. It's not actually a driving factor in their business, you know, the way it is at Whole Foods. And there definitely have been some worries with some some friends that I still know that work there, and of course what I read in the news, that they, they are there. They're going to start affecting the company culture. They're going to maybe even mess with pay and benefits. I don't know if that's true, but... At the very least, I, I saw in the news recently that Whole Foods employees are exploring the possibility of unionizing. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. Amazon's already like stepped in and talking to supervisors like, here's how to spot union pro oh, yeah. employees. There was an article and yeah. they said that they were teaching managers how to shut down unionization. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. Amazon, like, how long has Amazon had Whole Foods now? A year. So it's been around a year, and already the workers are wanting to unionize against Amazon yeah. before Whole Foods has been around for yeah. a good while. No. They were all, Since as far as I can know, somewhat content. Like, so I will, in, in you know, play devil's advocate in defense of Amazon, you know, they are trying to run their business the way they always have. They're able to create the the cost and the services that we've pretty much all grown accustomed to is that pretty much everyone uses Amazon. Um, and they can only, you know, it takes a lot to do that. I understand that. And perhaps, you know, all of these workers are at-will workers. They can leave if they don't like it. And, you know, it, they're not, it's not like an auto union. These aren't employees. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not exactly a fan of, of unions either, but I also feel like people have the you know the right to associate how they will. And if people feel like they're not being treated fairly, collective bargaining is a useful tactic. And, you know, these people being shut down for that, at the very least, seems, um, I think, pretty overbearing. You know, it's they're just wanting to unionize to not even to demand anything at this point. It's just to protect, just to protect what, they, what have. they have. Yeah, yeah, because Whole Foods has always treated their employees very well, and and they don't want that to change. I don't think they're really going to be you know going and demanding more, and maybe they will. And of course, Amazon might fear that. Like, sure, we can keep what you have, but. You're going to start demanding more, and then we're going to have workers strikes on our hands, and yada yada. It goes on from there, but like, I don't know. It's one of those things. I, I definitely know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm caught in between it too. I mean, I, I have the. I just told Alexa to turn my lights off. You know, I have an Echo device in the other room, and I have the Fire TV. I was just. The lights just came on. Oh yeah, Alexa heard me. Alexa, dim the lights. I shouldn't do it. Yeah. Anyways. Sorry. 
she, you know, I, she's, I, she's creepy. She hears she everything. Is. I, Especially in those apartments and echoes. Yeah, I, I will never get an Alexa or an Echo or a Google Home. Well, that's what I always thought. And then, like, this was on sale, and I was like, okay, well, I'll buy it. Well, you've seen um, a bit of, bit of a tangent. Um, so, Alexa, fun fact about Alexa and Google. Uh, they, whether or not you say anything or communicate with them at all, they will contact the servers of Amazon or Google every three minutes, regardless oh, of if you heard anything. Right. So, and there's been some other... Oh, I know. I, I, I was, I'm fully aware of all the instances of them recording and sending recordings, not even just back to Amazon, which it is pretty open about, but even to other people. Because, like, when you, like, if I said, I'm not going to say it too loud, if I said Alexa text Dylan, um, it would clarify, it would potentially clarify which Dylan, depending on how many I had my contacts. But then it would record everything you say. It would send a transcript, but along with the transcript, it would send the recording, too. So you would get it. You would hear me speaking. And that's, you know, potentially really creepy if that happens accidentally, which, you know, it's like, what are the odds of that happening accidentally? Well, it's happened. Damn. I feel like it's pretty good. It, it, was, it, was, in the, it was in the news that someone in the other room sent a very long message to, like, a co-worker... And it was like a conversation him and his wife were having. And somehow, from the other room, the Echo thought it said, you know, Alexa text this person. It recorded everything. After that, it would ask a confirmation, like, send this text. And it must have thought it heard yes. And all that happened. And, like, so obviously it's not something that should happen a lot. But, like, it does happen. It has happened. Yeah. Like, you can't say if not. It's, yeah, it's very within the realm of possibilities. Yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, I, like, but that, it happens. I never so. thought I wanted it, and I'm not necessarily, you know, super pleased about having it. I just, you know, it's just one of those things that was, was on sale. It was convenient for me to be able to, to ask it a question, and since I have smart bulbs, I like to be able to just walk in the door, and if something hasn't come on from the, from the location... Uh, then I can just say, hey, Alexa, turn this on. Or when I get into bed, I just, Alexa, turn my lights on. You know, laziness, sure. But <laughs> first world problems. But nonetheless, uh, I've enjoyed having it, but, like, I'm not married to it. You know, f- 15 years from now, uh, when Amazon's ruling America, alongside with Google, yep, and then go, hey, we're going to sign you guys a job, and then they pull up, you know, our history, and they hear us bashing Amazon tonight, and they go, ah, yeah, put them scrapyards. Put, the put, the scrap put them in the scrapyards. They were complaining about Amazon. Yeah, I mean, the, the cre- fifteen years from now, this is gonna come back to bite us. No, yeah, I mean, I think the creepiest thing is that everything you say to Alexa, and I think with Google, but I know for a fact it's with Alexa. You, you can, it sends to Amazon. And Amazon saves it, like forever, and you can, you can go back and, and listen to it, and I did that. Uh, very first product I ever had was a smart was a Fire TV, and they had Alexa on it. And I remember asking, like Alexa, what's the weather? And I went into my Alexa app, looked at the history, and went all the way back to like 2014, and it was there. And I could hear, I could play it and listen to myself ask that question. That's terrifying. It is kind of terrifying. It's a little terrifying. Everything I've ever asked it, it has a recording of it. Then I can listen to it if I want to. 
Now there are also because of certain laws or like privacy settings where I can like request that they delete it all. But like Amazon doesn't make it easy. There is no delete all function, at least in the app. Maybe you can contact them, but in the app, you have to delete each one. So unless you that do that, thousands. yeah, if, unless you do that like the end of each week, like I'm sure I have at least a few hundred on there. I'm not gonna go through each one, and I, I, you know, that's that's a lot. And it probably, I wouldn't be surprised, too, if it, like, takes its time to delete it. Oh, yeah, probably. So it's, like, probably. deleting, and then, like, a minute later, it's gone, you're like, okay, that's just, just 500 more, like, yeah. Yeah, that's, no. It is, uh, I, I, and honestly, I can't really say why, why I got it. I wanted it, and it's I was... Mar- it's marketing. For months, I was back and forth on it. I mean, there were like four times I was going to... I had it in my Amazon cart, and I was going to buy it, and I was like, no, I don't need this. I don't want the NSA spying on me. I don't want Amazon spying on me. And now, something... One day, I just did it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these kind of things are like the things that make me consider giving up my smartphone and just going to like a regular phone. Oh, absolutely. I was thinking about that earlier. This and week. honestly... Like, the more I think about it, the more appealing it is oh, yeah. to go back to a regular phone. Yeah. Well, there's this one. It was a, a Kickstarter project. And there was, it was called the Light Phone. And all it was, the first one, it was, it, it was just a phone. Like, the only thing it t- could do was dial and call. And it was, like, a minimal design. It was attractive design. It had good battery and everything. And, um... It picked up pretty well. This Light Phone 2, which comes out, I think it starts shipping in April 2019, and it's taking pre-orders right now on Kickstarter, uh, it does a few things. You can text, call, call an Uber, and play some music. That's it. Okay. So I'm, I'm seriously considering getting it, just because like, those are the only things I really ever need. I wouldn't want to give up music. That, oh, no. That's the biggest thing. See, I could get around that just like buying an iPod. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Do they even make iPods? They do still. Yeah. Really? I, I used one. I wouldn't want I didn't stop using an iPod until about two years ago. Oh. I still have one that had all my Spotify music on. Well, in that, I mean, like in that case, I probably would just use a dumb phone and just only connect it to Wi Fi when I needed it. Yeah. Never take it anywhere. See, the, the two, like the main things I use my phone for. Uh, listen to podcasts. Listen to music. Yes, podcasts. Google Maps. Yeah. And then calling and texting. Yeah. And then, of course, I browse the internet and whatnot. But yeah, all those things. I'm like, it's, I I don't need it. I would be I don't better need off without them. Yeah. And, and for what I would still want to do, or in you know some cases need to do, like I can just be at home, use a computer, use yeah. a tablet. I'm always around a computer. Or use that phone. At home on on the Wi-Fi and just have it be a disconnected phone, like an unserviced phone. I mean, you're gonna have it at home, but right. like to go out to have it school or the office or something. Honestly, it's probably better not to have all that stuff on your phone. It, it really is. It's we're in such an overconnected world. It's so it's it's uh, there. There was this graph, and definitely, you know. Correlation does not equal causation, absolutely. But the mental health rates started to significantly decrease when 
the, the year Facebook opened up their website to be used by other people who didn't have a college email address the way it was when it first came out. You say depression decreased or increased? The rates increased. Oh, okay. I thought you said decrease at first. Everyone's more depressed now. <laughs> okay. Because of Facebook. Yeah. Well, not, maybe not because. Like, it's, it's, but, you know. I'm pretty sure I've seen studies where... There are studies saying, that, you know... Social media to, links yeah. to higher rates poor, of depression. Yeah, poor... Honestly. Because, so, fun fact about Facebook, they actually have an option, which I'm surprised that they do, honestly, uh, where you can go in to... I mean, go to your account and whatnot, and you can download every single piece of information on your entire yes. profile, I've which I, I actually did that recently. Yeah. And I'm like right on the cusp of just deleting it. Cause I look at it maybe three, four times a week yeah. and I look at it for about 20 seconds. Yeah. And I go, Oh wait, there's nothing on here I care about. Right. Yeah. Close. Yeah. No, I don't use Facebook anywhere near as much as I used to. And I have deleted it like two or three times, but it was always like, I always would need to get it back to do something or cause I had connected it to an app and use it oh, to log yeah. into something and so then I got it back would switch how I logged in and then get rid of it again and, or there'd be someone I would need to talk to that I only had Facebook contact information for but yeah I mean I'm Twitter's my big thing and I don't even know why I, I hate it I hate yeah. but I but I use it so much <laughs> I use I do Instagram a little bit there are certain friends like I like to see sure. like what they're doing and it's I do of course I do have some of those people on there where they'll put like an Instagram story I'm like oh cool what's going on here and it'll be like what they're eating and I'm like yeah. I could not I care, don't less. care I could not care less or it's like the same thing it's like oh they'll do like a vlog try to do like a vlog on their Instagram I'm like again yeah don't care but sometimes I do have friends like Hey, like I'm out skiing this weekend, or like you know I'm on a jet ski. I'm like, oh, cool! Like glad you're having a fun, a fun time. I like yeah. to see that. But if it's just like, hey, I got a haircut. Yeah. No one cares. I no care. No one cares. I, I'm all about the, the pet stories though, the Instagram stories and Snapchat. I do love. I love. You you, the, you uh, got a dog or a cat doing something cute. I'm. Those are. That's fine. Oh yeah. You post all that. There all is uh, Instagram. Uh, it's called. I hear the Twitter too. It's called We Rate Dogs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I love that because yes. it's always like a picture of a really cute dog and like, oh this this good boy we give thirteen paws out of ten. Yep. And it's just like, oh, it's, it's it just never, makes you feel so good. It's never less than eleven out of ten. No, it's <laughs> it's always it's, eleven, twelve, thirteen, sometimes even fourteen and fifteen if they're really special. Oh yeah, yeah. I love those photos. Yeah. All right, so I think we exhausted that topic. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit. Bit of a tangent. Bit of a tangent. Bit of a bit of a downer subject too. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on how you view it. Yeah. Yay, uh, corporate overlords or. Yay, corporate overlords. You gotta say yay either way. Yeah. You'll be punished. You don't have a choice anymore. Amazon's about. Amazon and Google are gonna merge together, and then Disney's gonna come along. So we'll get all our tech from Google, all our entertainment from Disney, and all of our supplies and stuff from Amazon. That'll be it. That'll be it. That'll be the only three companies that exist. On a funner note, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about esports. Not sports. Esports. Uh, yeah, you'll have to lead the way on this one. All right. How, how much do you know about esports? I don't even know what that means. You don't know what esports mean? Like, I figure you would. Like video game basketball. Kind of. 
I mean, it's it is the competitive leagues of video games. Okay. Well, I wouldn't call them sports personally. Like that's 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 the uh, that's the question. Honestly, is so a lot of people. There's a lot of people on both sides. Some people would argue, yes, you know, uh, playing video games at a a super high competitive level is considered a sport. And then there's other people who say, no, that's absolutely not a sport. That's just video games. Yeah. Uh, I I empathize with those people that claim it to be a sport. Okay. And I understand it. My big thing is, I don't. I don't know anyone who does. I wouldn't ever call people who play a board game an athlete. (laughs) I wouldn't do that for video games either. And the people playing them, you know, they can be gamers, they can be competitors, I would not call them athletes. Yes, they are on teams, yes, they're competing to win, yes, there's a goal and there's a prize or whatever. I wouldn't call that Athletics. I wouldn't call that a sport. Okay. So play devil's advocate. Sure. So the definition of sport is an activity involving physical exertion and skill in which an individual or team competes against another or others for entertainment. I know that you... I know that, yes, they exert... They There is physical exertion involved. I know that there's a lot of energy and work put into it. It's still... Not on the same level. <laughs> okay. That would qualify it as a sport, in my opinion. Yes, your heart rate might jump to the roof, and you might be sweating while you're playing a competitive game of Fortnite or something, but you're not <laughs> doing as much physically as a basketball player or a soccer player or a football player, a swimmer, or a track athlete. It's just not. So what, then, is the... What is the, I guess, needed amount of physical exertion that's a, to become a sport? That's a good question. I, I, I couldn't, I don't know. The, where the line is drawn, I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't even have a comment. I don't, I don't know. I just, <laughs> so, there's clearly more in one than in the other, though. And okay. that's all I know. So before I give my two cents, let's, I guess for listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, mm-hmm. let's explain a little bit more what eSports is. So eSports is the highly competitive scene of video games. Sounds really dumb and really nerdy. It's actually pretty daggum fun to watch. Yeah, it can be, definitely. So some of the big, or the uh, granddaddies and some of the big hitters of eSports are games like Overwatch, uh, League of Legends, Dota 2, Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, just to name a few, uh, and StarCraft 2. Call of Duty. Call of, not as much, actually. It's, it's on there. It's, it's on there. Have, it doesn't have a huge, e- as big an esports scene as you think. The, they, there are worldwide competitions. There are. It's probably not as trafficked no, as those other ones. Not even close. But it's still, I mean, the big name hosting a big competition. Call of Duty has a big name, not a huge esports that's, presence. That's fair. That's true. Uh... So, but anyways, so yeah, so some of those, so like League of Legends, I think the uh, the champ the the world championship stream for League of Legends last year, I think, got about sixty million people watching the League of Legends championship, and it was for, I think the prize money was over a million dollars. Wow. 
Like, it was insane. It was like, if you look up pictures, it's like, a, it's almost a football stadium filled with people watching people play League of Legends for over a million dollars. Uh, Counter-Strike goal offenses. The tournaments are easily getting up to close to a million dollars these days, filling huge stadiums all across the world. There was one recently in, I believe, oh, somewhere here in America. I don't remember where. I think it was Atlanta at a Dream Hack. But, I mean, it's... It's way bigger than people think it is. Dota two, sure. like the the prize, yeah. the prizes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and right. the the scene's getting even more uh, ludicrous. Uh, so, like in Counter Strike Global Offensive, their companies are starting to sponsor teams. Uh, Audi is sponsoring teams. Tinder is sponsoring teams. <laughs> the United States. Like Air- any of those guys. Yeah. Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> I will say some of those guys like they're yeah. you. So you think. You know, esports. You think you know, kind of a fat, plump guy with lots of yeah. acne, playing around. They're typically not actually. They're no, normal no. human beings. There's one player. His gamer tag that he goes by online is, is Pasha Biceps. He is one of the most ripped guys oh I have ever seen. There's another guy. His name's Crims. He looks like he could be a mafia member. He's like he has tattoos like all over his arm, like a, a big ginger beard and bald head. He on- Sounds more like an IRA member. Yeah, he, he honestly... Yeah, I think he's... Uh, I don't remember where he's from. So it's not your normal video game-esque people that you would assume, sure. that you would associate with this kind of field. Yeah, so all these players, they're, they're not, you know, not really your typical gamers. And they also, these competitions are held, they, they make living off of this. Right. Like, this is, for a lot of people, their their daytime job is this. And then they also stream on YouTube. Uh, one of the famous streamers right now, Shroud, consistently has 20,000 people watching him live play video games. So he, I think uh, the other, I think Ninja is another streamer. He plays with Drake Fortnite. Yes. He could retire right now. Ninja. And, and live happily with the rest of his life with the money he's made via Twitch and YouTube. It is it is actually insane if you ask me how good he is at Fortnite. Like, like it shouldn't be possible. Like, like it's almost like it looks fake. Like, oh. that's how good he is at it. That's and why I watch these. It's insane. It is. It, it makes it, it. I mean, Ninja specifically. I don't know about the other guys, but Ninjas. It almost it almost makes me hate him because it's like. You're like you're fake news. Like, you, <laughs> there's no way that you just did that no scope shot uh, with a hunting rifle, someone 500 yards away while you were falling and he was running. There's no way you did it, but you did. But there's no way you did it. Like, yeah, it like pisses me off almost. You know, it does. So that's, that's the fun thing I love about esports is uh, a lot of people because I watch I watch video games pretty consistently you competitive scene and then the weird kind of fun let's play videos and yes you've, you've been getting into that yes. quite a lot recently the, the as let's well. play videos they're, they're really fun yes so uh a lot of a lot of people argue like why would you why in the world would you ever watch people play video games video games are dumb to begin with why would not you just play it it's the same argument we go well, why why do you watch people play basketball or football or baseball but you can just go play it one either they're really really terrible and it's absolutely hilarious to watch or two they are so good that they are beyond anything you could ever imagine or dream of being and that's the same with video games so I watch the last plays because they're they're usually not that great at the video no. game and it's no, it always not. goes horribly wrong and it's really funny to watch yes. and they also have just great funny personalities yes. and then I watch the competitive scene just because they're so much better 
than anything I could possibly what should ever be do. Remotely possible. It should not be possible uh, how good some of these players are. Where you just watch these players and you're just like, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. There was one I was just watching recently where it was a uh, it was called Counter Strike Go. It was one of the it was the grand final of a tournament uh, between Mouse Sports and Counter or, uh, Cloud Nine, uh, and then. So basically, you had to take over a site and kill everyone and plant a bomb and blah, blah, blah. But one, one player had a sniper rifle, which is a difficult weapon to use, and he killed every single person on the other team by himself in a span of about five seconds. What? It was unbelievable. I thought he was dead. I think, I think there were only... He might have been the last one alive, honestly. His, name was, his player's name is Chris J. Look up Chris J., uh, sniper ace and within probably five to eight seconds he killed the entire other team what? it was unbelievable so I have the video pull up and we'll listen to you just like a short uh, short little bit of it you can hear the, like the, rea- the uh, announcers reactions and the crowds reaction as well and he'll rotate back through the vents that gives the lead's position wants to try and hold can- excuse me catwalk from connector Wants to try and hold off the rotations. Oscar's gone. Chris is an op still in the picture. Op still very much in the round. Oh, Chris, he's found three. It's down to a two no on way. two. Chris, can he close this with an ace? Oh my God. Chris, the Wolf of Wall Street gets an ace and it's championship point mouse sports. What? Yeah. Like, how did that happen? He barely even aimed. He was just, what? Yeah. Those are like split seconds away from being misses or no scopes, and yet he did what? Yeah, I watched that live, and I just stared at my screen. I'm like, how did he do that? That was five people, right? That was five people, and it was about, what, eight seconds. Oh, my God. He killed every single... It was two on five, and he killed all of them. Jesus. Like... That's the, that's why I love watching it. It's because you, you plays like that happen. And it's just similar, you know. It's like the hail mary in football and the grand slam in baseball. It's like those existing video games as well. Sure. There's so much fun to watch. They can be just as exhilarating. Sure. Know? And I think that that's true. And, and and you know, definitively true. But whenever we get to terms like sports, sports. and athletes. I I can I I've agreed with everything you've said. I still just wouldn't call them athletes. Maybe we we could call them like digital athletes or something. Gamer. I mean, I don't gamers like call them gamers. They so but like athletes. So fun fact. Uh, so because a lot of these tournaments are filled with people, it's similar to the the soccer scene. Uh, where it's like in, it's international play, so you have American teams that you know they'll fly. They'll have a tournament in France, and then they'll have a tournament in Germany, and then they'll have a tournament in you know England, and then America, and then you know, right. it's all over the world. Uh, because they're not considered athletes, the visas for them are a lot harder to get, as opposed to you know if it's an athlete visa, it's a whole different thing. It's a lot easier uh, to get to where you wanted to go because you're traveling for an athlete. Right. Uh, so that's that's a good reason that they should be in some sense, if anything, for a government sense. To, Athlete on paper, sure. In paper, sure. Like, Fun fact: yeah. Actually, Russia 
just recently <laughs> decided to acknowledge esports players as athletes. Really? Yes. Russia. Russia. That's funny. Kind of makes sense, honestly, because Russia's actually has a huge gaming yeah. scene, especially in Counter Strike Go. Bunch of cheaters. <laughs> it's Russians. But yeah, they're the they're one of the first countries to acknowledge esports athletes as actual athletes. Uh, so that kind of changes the game in Russia. But as far as whether it's a sport or not, I actually kind of agree with you. It's it's a high highly competitive game that takes a lot of skill and tactician. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't qualify it as a sport. I think it's its own thing. I'd almost yeah. equate it more to uh, like chess than anything else because it's a lot of mental capacity and a lot yeah. of game planning and uh, and that it, it does take a lot of skill. Yeah. But it's much much more a mental game, I yeah. think, than a physical one. So I think it it is its own thing. It is e. It's an e sport. Yeah. It's not a sport. It's an e sport. It's its own category i think so i don't because some people it's 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 a weird thing in the gaming community so like some people want to be like seen as a sport i don't because right. i don't want the stigma that comes with sports to be put on esports because i kind of like it where it is where it's it's not hu- like huge it's getting there but it's not small it's like it's a good happy medium right now i think many people in sports probably don't want the stigma of esports put on the sport it's true. That's also that's also poss- that's also probably true. No, I, I mean honestly, I, I can imagine if, if I were involved in that scene, I would probably rather have it be a separate thing, you know, because it's it's not the same. It's it's the same in some ways, but you know, in some ways, so is everything. I think giving it its own category is almost like giving it the esteem of being something that doesn't need to be a part of something else for it to be talked about i think it needs to stay its own thing its own separate category because as long as if if they want to become a sport then there's they'll have to change and adapt it the way people look at it which will change that community and change how how it's played out and i don't think that'll be good for uh for the esports scene right so i like i think as long as it tries, it continues to just be true to itself and go where it is best at and not try to become a sport, not try to show the world or to prove itself to the world, just keep doing what it's doing, I think yeah. that'll be fantastic for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Esports, it, it's also a weird thing. So, like, the way it's managed. So, in basketball, you have, you know, you have the NBA and then you have all the teams that are associated with the NBA and then you have uh, the casters. So you have you know Fox and ESPN. So you have you know Fox, ESPN, and you have the NBA, and you know have all the sports organizations. Where in uh, esports, uh, the company that makes the game is the broadcaster, the referee, the league, and the rule makers. So that's all of that. Basically, all all of the corporations included, you know, in the NBA, basically, are under one roof. Right. And then also the teams. Uh, so you know, the Lakers. The Lakers only exist in the NBA. But if it's an eSport, then you know, you'd have the Lakers in basketball. You'd have them in baseball. You'd have them in hockey, soccer, uh, badminton. Like you'd have a Lakers team, you know, in every single one of those sports because that's how eSports works. Because those teams are so small, you have five people 
usually playing, and then uh, one or two rotations are people that you want to switch them out if something goes wrong, and a coach. So you have a total of eight people total that, in, that, in, that compromises the entire team, and that's it. And so they can afford to have four or five different teams all in different uh, esports, but they play in different games. Mm-hmm. And so just the whole dynamic of it is just so different right. than any of this. There's actually a good Netflix show called Explain, and they do a short about 20-minute bit on esports that explains it actually a lot better than I do. And you can see some of the setups and some of the arenas that they've displayed for these mm-hmm. tournaments, and it's absolutely insane. It's definitely a, an area where I have, at random parts of my life, shown interest. Back when G4 was a thing, I would sometimes watch any of the competitions that were being broadcast on there. Um, and when I was in a bar a few months ago, it was one of the things on the TV. <laughs> and it was weirdly engrossing, and I, I stayed there like an hour watching it. So, uh, yeah, I mean... It definitely has a very significant following. Seems like a fun thing to watch. Well, um, worst and best of the week? You already did your best. I have two best. Okay. That best was like kind of like a conversation starter. That's fair. That's fair. But it also is like the best thing. It's the best thing this year so far in Oklahoma. My best of the week comes from the world of academia and scholarly journals. Oh boy. I know. So, for anyone who knows me and maybe follows me on Twitter, I am both an advocate and harsh critic of higher education. My goal, long term, is actually to teach. So, it's one of those fields that I love and take very seriously. But at the same time, its current state can slash should slash needs to be criticized. So right now, higher education, academia, is steeping with social justice, anti-liberal, and extremist slash Marxist ideologies that are very, very counter to what, what I would say this country is, or at least used to be about. And we are, we are losing basic principles on college campuses, such as free speech, freedom of association, and, and so on. And speaking specifically to the ideologies that are running rampant on either side, but Specifically, what usually gets more attention is the, the more liberal ideologies that are running rampant on college campuses. That includes certain um, social justice, politically correct kind of, of themes. And suddenly, in some scholarly journals and at some universities, that ideology becomes more important than truth, than fact, than... Uh, than even discussion about thereof. So this past week, Helen Pluckrose, James Lindsay, and Peter Bogosian published three different... No, seven papers. These three published seven papers in the past year in several different uh, journals. 
something that is a tremendous feat. If I was going to say that's, real. that's an yeah. insane amount. I mean, that right there is like, you know, automatic tenure pretty much like at major universities. And that's, yeah. a, that's a big deal to do. Uh, these papers were all fake. <laughs> uh, so there was this one. Um, the paper advocated for stopping white males from speaking in class, but not just that, it also encouraged professors to institute a form of experiential reparation by making their white students sit on the ground bound in chains. What? Yeah. Uh, Another one labels men who masturbate while thinking about a woman without gaining her prior consent uh, perpetrator of sexual violence. That's... Yeah, wait, no. What? And uh, there was another one that dismissed Western astronomy as sexist and imperialist. And it made a case for the physics department to study feminist astrology instead. What does that even... Yeah. What? And there was a paper that... That was literally a rewrite of Sections of Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. (laughs) Every single one of these papers was published in different scholarly journals because it was simply embracing an ideology that happens to be in line with very prevailing ideologies throughout academia right now. That's absurd. And so this almost is like a worst of the week, too, because it's like, that's horrible. It's horrible that this is the state of academic affairs where a place that's supposed to be about open exchange and the pursuit of fact and truth has become a place that is so steeped in ideology that you can write this absurd nonsense saying that white men should sit on the ground in chains as some form of reparation and it is published and and you could say you know you could argue that well of course it was published you know they were making a case like no no not an academic journal you want to make that case that's fine we can talk about it I'm gonna I want to tell you how wrong I think you are but an academic journal goes through rigorous rigorous fact-finding and editing and, you know, the whole point of, of an academic journal is that other people read it before it's even published. Many people, the whole reason scholarly journals exist is because all of this work is peer-reviewed. There are other people reading it, commenting on it, giving their thoughts, like, contributing their, uh, their experience and their knowledge to it. And that is the way that it's kind of chiseled down into into some form of truth, into some form of, of knowledge that we can use to then move forward with. None of this stuff, by any rational demeanor, if you ask me, can and should be taken seriously. And yet, it was all published. So were they doing it as like a legitimate thing, or were they doing it to show how messed up the period they, is? They were doing it to, to screw with them. Okay, so they were like, this is the dumbest thing. Yes, we know these, it's dumb, yes. but we're going to show you that it's going to pass anyways. Yes. Okay. Props to them. Yeah. Because that's incredible. I have heard about I have heard about the, this kind of thing happening before, like with science journals. Yes. Never to this 
absurdity of an extent, though, where you copy-paste yes. Mein Kampf yes. into a paper. Yes. That has, that has to be the best. So I, I will say, the ones I mentioned were the ones that were published. So they were published. But there were 20 papers submitted, but, the, but seven were accepted for publication. Seven are in process, still being peer-reviewed and, and read, and six of them have been rejected so far. So even, even that many, let's say the seven that are still in process get rejected. The fact that seven of these, including one with excerpts from Mein Kampf, the fact that seven of them were published is astounding. That's incredible. And yes. That's it, so it, absolutely absurd. Yes. It, it absolutely. It, it's, it's sad. And, it, you know, it's the best of the week because, you know, like you said, I've seen this before. It has happened once before. Uh, I've never seen it to this extreme. Yes. It, that's, that's what makes it so bad. This is... This, this, I mean, this happened. This isn't... These are the people, that, that the ones that really believe this stuff, these are the people that are teaching our generation. You know, gener and, and to some extent, some of the people in the generation before us, the generation beneath us, these are the people that are learning this nonsense in a place where they're supposed to, they're supposed to be confronted with a range of ideas. They're essentially being indoctrinated with complete garbage. And it's insane. Oh, no, I 100% agree. So I loved that this was that this happened. I loved that you know it's it's really tangible proof that at this point ideology is always uh, stressed more than than facts. But it's sad that it happened. But anyway, that is my best of the week. <laughs> Dang, yeah, that's. I need you need to send me that article. Yeah, I need to. Yes, I'll send it to that. you. It'll be on. It'll okay. be on our Twitter as well. Okay, so I will, in the spirit of positivity, we, I'll do my worst of the week because you you only have a best of the week, so we'll end with good. Um, my worst of the week, and this is definitely a. This is definitely a polarizing topic, but I want to talk about just. Briefly, maybe not so briefly, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. You know, if anyone's listened to our first three episodes, you know, this was going to come up even in passing. But I wanted to talk about the taking women at their word, or sexual assault survivors in general at their word, versus the principle of due process. Because and, and that can happen after this, but the, the worst of the week, um, specifically, is is really just this whole thing. Uh, for anyone who watched uh, Dr. Ford's testimony last week, you know, I, I think she's a very compelling, convincing witness. I, I think clearly something did happen to her. I find it hard. There's very little proof to suggest that she's being like manipulated like I don't think she's a pawn in this something I I think she believes that this happened but then there's the question of corroborative evidence and whether or not someone with now three allegations against them should be allowed to move forward in this nomination process I find two of the three 
allegations to be complete nonsense. And the only one with any weight, in my opinion, is Dr. Ford's. But even with that, there's very little corroborative evidence. It's just her testimony. So... I've honestly... As soon as this whole thing started, I've honestly tried to avoid just hearing about it because I I knew it was just going to be just another... Just... It's just one thing happened. Like, it didn't... Just this crap. And I... I mean... I don't even know anymore, to be honest. Yeah. Because it does... This is, this is like, foundation-shaking. Like, there are people who... I mean, the ACLU, who has been a proponent of due process for decades, this past week abandoned that principle and came out against Brett Kavanaugh's. Now, so we, say what you will about the ACLU. They are, they are undeniably left-leaning. And that, you know, that's fine. Unfortunately, today, they uh, in a tweet and in a video they posted on Twitter, pretty much just reciting Democrat talking points. That is sad, if you ask me, just because they're supposed to be a nonpartisan group that's defending civil liberties. But even they came out against Brett Kavanaugh, something they rarely do. They rarely come out against judicial nominations. And they came out to attack him because of these allegations. And I won't attack them outright for that. I th- for other reasons, I will. But, you know, I completely understand this conflict because the allegations for this, while they're not criminal, they don't, they don't uh, result in some kind of criminal issue. This is the question of, should we take this risk with him since he isn't up, he's not going to go to jail for this, he just won't get this job. So shouldn't three allegations be enough to prevent him from getting this job? And I sympathize with that. I really do. But on the other hand, there simply is not enough evidence to, to say definitively that this is anything more than just a conspiracy created by the Democrats See, so that he wouldn't get his seat. That is the other thing that's annoying. It's like, nothing, like no one's really... It's like they're waiting till now... If I come out and say it, which is like I, I understand, like I'm not blaming, like I understand, like it's a hard thing to like yeah. to admit. It's Absolutely. it's the very it, it's not like a good thing, you know. It's shameful at times, and it's un, it's really I it's it's awful that it's such a stigma to come out against. It. I understand yeah. that. It just almost seems like a too perfect yeah. of a storm, and yeah. Again, I think if there is a whole thing. Innocent until proven guilty, which is the foundation of the American judicial system. Whether you think the judicial system is great or not, I think that's something that should just always be uh, considered no matter what. Right. So, unfortunately, I think if this is the only, like, I don't know, I haven't been paying much attention. Uh, But if this is the only thing that they're saying... Uh, to keep him out, I think it'd be all right to let him go through. Because if like there's yeah. one thing that happened, how long ago did they say it was happening? Six years ago. Six was years it, ago. Was I think thirty six. Thirty six. Thirty six years ago. It was Doctor Ford's oh allegation? Gosh. I think there were a couple in college that were more recent, but jeez, yeah, thirty six years ago, and it's it's like that's the only thing that's going on. I mean. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I definitely have been taking that to heart and that issue, and that's that's I guess really still where I stand. And I think it's sad because unfortunately both sides have just created political issues out of this. Where really, I mean, if people were genuine and trying to discover the truth, there wouldn't be complete nonsense coming from both sides. No. I mean, on on the right, we have people who are trying to excuse sexual assault essentially and then we have people on the left that are attacking Kavanaugh's demeanor because he got mad of course you're gonna get mad if you've been accused of being a serial gang raper rapist like if that yeah of course I'm gonna get mad at that his life is being destroyed and yet now the argument isn't even necessarily oh well he committed sexual assault now it's well, he's he's mad. He's an angry person, so he shouldn't be on the court. And that I mean that right there is just that talking point that they've just shifted to because so many holes have been poked in these sexual assault allegations, and it's no longer about finding out if those allegations even hold any weight. It's just about shaming Brett Kavanaugh, and and what makes this worse, including like the lack of corroborative evidence. Um, the Innocence Project, which, by the way, Wrongful Conviction Day was two days ago. Happy Wrongful Conviction Day. Wrongful Conviction uh, Day. Um, the Innocence Project, on the data they've collected with all the people they've worked with, falsely incriminated individuals uh, who have you know, since been exonerated, um, the data they have shows that eyewitness misidentification has played a role in 70% of known false imprisonments. And I I think that that case can be made here very easily, both in a criminal ball, so maybe even in a civil outlet, to say that Brett Kavanaugh did this. You know, she's the only one who can say that. And... It's, it's horrible that some people, it's at least the media will say, it's horrible that people don't believe her. It's horrible that they're suggesting that she's thinking of someone else. Well, I'm not suggesting she's thinking, it's just like, no, it happened 36 years ago. Yeah, well, there, there was this one, I don't even know who it was, I just remember seeing the headline, that there were a couple people who were saying, like, oh, you're actually thinking of this other guy. And I think they might have even said, like, who the other guy might have been. Like, it was like someone who looked like him. Oh, it's someone who looks like Brett Kavanaugh. Well, I mean, maybe it is. But the thing, the point is, is that eyewitness testimony is incredibly... Uh, terrible. Terrible. And there have been cases, normally it's, it's a race thing too, but there have been cases where people have looked at someone and said that was him. And they really thought it was him. And then DNA evidence went on to prove otherwise. Right. And that that's happened. I mean, that usually happens in the case of like racial differences. Like, the uh, woman is white, the attacker was black. There were a couple cases that where that happened specifically, and she, you know, picked out the wrong black guy in a lineup. He went to jail. D- DNA ended up exonerating him, but she thought that that was him, and and that's why there are some rules that apply to police officers now where they can't like coach them. They can't give them assurance after they've picked out the guy that the cops think it is, too, because they can't mess. They can't give her assurance that that's the right guy because then she'll become convinced of it. 
Yeah. And that will make her testimony even more unreliable if it comes out that it actually wasn't that guy and DNA proves it was someone else. Oh, yeah. No, I mean... Yeah, no. I have heard more and more about that. Like, eyewitness testimony, it's not... It's honestly not the most trustworthy. Yeah. And then pair that with, you know, 40, 36 years, I don't care how good your memory is. Uh, you, yeah, you could be... I think one of those, I have a fantastic memory. 36 years ago, you're, you're going to remember a minuscule of the details of everything that happened. That's just how our brains work. Mm-hmm. And the more you recall it... Yeah, the more you recall a thing, the less you remember the less of the you thing. remember it, yeah. And so, compare that with 36 years. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just not enough to go on. Yeah. It's unfortunate. If it did happen, I'm really sorry, but there's just not enough yeah. there. It, it, it's just one of those horrible situations because it's not like I say this... Happily, I, I am not endeared to Brett Kavanaugh. I hate his stance on the Fourth Amendment. If Trump were to pick someone else, I probably wouldn't have a problem with it. If he were to pick another Neil Gorsuch, that would be great. I, I'm not a big fan of Brett Kavanaugh. But in regards to where we're at right now, I don't think there's enough evidence against him, because there's practically none, to be honest, that should keep him from the seat for which he was nominated. Okay, I guess enough about rape. You can end, end on a happy note. What's your Yay. best of the week? It's a picture of a dog's birthday. What? Oh, so, uh, Max, at the at someone's hometown police department, turned eight. And it threw him a nice little party. And he has, oh. so his face is just like the cutest, derpiest face where it's just like, you can tell it's a dog going, Oh guys, you didn't have wow. to. Just really, really enjoying oh, himself at the God. same time. Look at that face. Oh, happy birthday. So Max is eight years old. He's part of the police department. He's okay. And his fellow officers threw him a, a nice birthday party. He's got a, a big cake and lays and a birthday hat. Good and just the, the biggest dumb grin on his face. Oh. And just warms my heart just looking at it. Yeah. We'll, so we'll post that picture. It's so cute. Yeah. It's just like, ugh. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll post that up with the, with the show notes. Yeah. That's cute. Uh, that's all I got. Okay, well, we finished just in time for my cats to start attacking each other. Mm, really. They're gonna they're growing on you, I can tell. Not really. They're growing on you. Come Anyways, on. this all has right. been Carpe Noctum. Number I'm Dylan. F- I'm Dylan. <laughs> it's really late. We should go to bed. We got work in the morning. Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, I'd say seize the night, but we'll probably seize the night once we go to bed. All right. Have a good week, folks. Come back next time. Yes. Hopefully it won't be two weeks again. Carpe Noctum is a production by Amateurs, hosted by Dylan Shoup and Dylan Kiefer. Quick thanks to bensound.com for our theme music. Join us again next time.